Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? The last couple weeks of November look pretty similar to the first few weeks of December. Like November 15th to 30th looks pretty similar to December 1st to 15th. But then at some point in mid-December, the, the, the fire hydrant just gets uncorked and the thing starts, it starts ramping. I would put as much money as you can into actual product development. And this is coming from a marketing company. Like, that's just <laughs> like, I, I don't, everything gets easier. If you, even if you're thinking about it purely numerically, like the better product you have, the higher the, the click-through rate is. Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Schomer and Ken Wilson. Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by e-commerce extraordinaire, Pat Lum. Pat is the co-founder and president of Asteroid X, an Amazon partnered agency that helps its clients dominate pay-per-click advertising. Over the past five years, Ken and I have worked with Pat and his team with great results and service. We also consider Pat a friend and well-respected member of the e-commerce community, which is why we are so excited to have him as a guest. Now, Pat, you are in an elite club, the a two-time guest of the Firing the Man podcast. And so for those of you that haven't tuned in to our listeners, haven't tuned into Pat's first podcast, which was episode 15, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to founding Asteroid X? It is an absolute honor, gents. Thank you. And so that was 15, and this is 150, is it not? Yes. So, yeah, okay, yeah. so <laughs> that, that's, I, was, I was looking at the math. This is 10x. <laughs> I'll see you on 1500, <laughs> hopefully sooner, but <laughs> min, minimum we'll do 1500. Yeah, just uh, thanks thanks for having me, guys. It's awesome to, to hang out. And uh, yeah, for those who haven't seen 15, I uh, started as everybody is a regular start to your e commerce career. I started dancing on the street for change. I um, was really in, in high school, I took up break dancing. I don't know if you, I don't think I've, told you guys this before Mm -mm. but yeah so i was uh, good stuff yeah yeah this is this is all (laughs) this is new this is very old but new at the same time yeah i i was a break dancer in high school and i just wanted to make a few extra bucks so i my friends and i started dancing on the street and so within as with any like marketing decision you start to be like okay where can i get in front of the most number of people the most relevant audience and so we're, we're here in toronto canada and we chose Young and Dundas Square, which is like Times Square. It's got the same billboards. It's got like the video billboards and stuff like that. Yeah, and we just got annihilated. Absolutely t- terrible. <laughs> we had three guys dancing and we made 30 bucks for three hours of work. So that's like $3 an hour or something like that. Like it was just horrible. But it was a good lesson because we danced really well, but we didn't engage the audience at all. And, and people would just walk by 
the display even though the dancing was really good it wasn't it wasn't really about that it was about like the initial engagement and i think that's where i first sort of fell in love with uh, the art of marketing and just like attention and uh, like commerce in general it was just really interesting and this is back when they had changed too so the coins were just disgusting and canada since discontinued the pennies but we got a lot of pennies back then it was gross yeah and then we fixed it up and eventually worked that business up to about 300 dollars a day but our bodies were just getting destroyed dancing on a thin sheet of linoleum on concrete every every week and so we we needed to do something with a bit more scale another one of our interests was was fashion so we took we took the proceeds and put it into an inventory order like that. So this was this is all we could think of to do at the time. And and I didn't do any product research. We just did what we what we thought was cool. It was an accessory to keep your pants tapered at the at the bottom of the pant. We thought it was an interesting idea. And and that and that you know that failed as well to to a large extent. And we just kept trying products. I went door to door selling products to retail stores. Yeah, and then eventually just just you know stumbled on e commerce. Because again, it was it was in search of, I guess, more scale, more sophisticated modes of distribution. So you go literally from the street, which is like a localized, non-scalable form of distribution to stores. Okay, a little bit better. They At least they carry the product for you. And then you go online. And so that was sort of my gradual over the course of several years, like progression into, into e-commerce. And so... You know, I had some experience with crowdfunding. You know, I I raised fifty thousand dollars on Kickstarter in twenty days on one product. It just hit because you know, as as David will tell you, like some products will just be hits, and you can't really explain why. Just the market just makes them hits. But this this one hit for whatever reason. It was touchscreen leather gloves in the winter on Kickstarter.com. It's a crowdfunding platform, and I raised fifty thousand dollars in twenty days. I thought I was a genius, and I dropped out of school. I wasn't a genius. I just got, again, I just got lucky. So, so, but I took, took some of that, put it back in inventory and then, and then sort of, you know, Kickstarter was a one-time cash infusion, which is a problem because you don't have predictable revenue every month. So I finally found Amazon, got turned on to Amazon, sold there. And yeah, and then just really fell in love with the marketing component of Amazon. That was about, you know, five, six years ago. And ever, that's what I've been focused on ever since. And so now we manage about $13 million in ad spend on Amazon every year for hundreds of brands, team of over 25 folks and just, and having a good time. That's awesome. So yeah, definitely bringing back some old school stuff there with the, the dancing. I did not know that story, but that's, old. that's, that's, it's awesome. I, I, I love it. Cool. So, so Pat, I think we, I think we jump right into it. So last time we had John, it was probably 2020. Now we're looking at 2022. This episode's going to air probably middle of November, right before, you know, the holiday shopping. And so can you, at a high level or in the weeds, can you share with the audience, what, what does the landscape look like for, for Amazon PPC in, in 2022? And, and how has that changed from, you know, last year or previous years? Like, are people measuring ACOS more? Are they looking at tacos? Like, what, is, what are the things that people should be focusing on? Yeah, we're in... And I'm I'm always learning about this stuff all the time too. It's constantly evolving. I just I guess what I have to offer here is a weird position where we see hundreds of accounts and all of the data every month. So you can sort of start if you squint, like start to come up with sort of aggregated views of of trends. Right. So I think what we're seeing in general is that Amazon's ad platform is actually growing quite quickly. If you saw the results from from the last sort of year on year from the last quarter, Facebook actually saw negative growth in terms of its its ad platform. Google, pretty large, but stagnant. Amazon grew 18% year on year, and it's now 14% of the total digital ad spend 
in the US, like it's it's becoming a big deal. So with that, they're sort of in their sort of, you know, a few years ago, I think it was very much in its infancy, an unsophisticated ad platform that saw pretty limited functionality, but good results because, you know, the cost per click was lower. Now we're sort of heading into an adolescent phase where, you know, the growth is is still quite significant. The feature set is a bit more sophisticated in terms of targeting you can do, and they don't want to slow the growth. So they're looking for new ad units that they can add to the platform to be like, okay, it's not just about sponsored products. It's also about, they've added sponsored brands several years ago. They've added sponsored display now. They've added Amazon attribution where you can advertise and bring in traffic from different platforms, which I, I will get into. But yeah, it's just sort of an adolescent, albeit fast-growing ad platform that's become a bit more sophisticated in recent years. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Okay. Okay. That's those growth numbers on the advertising side of things. That is, that's huge. That's huge. Especially given that if I'm not mistaken, that tell me if this is correct. The advertising outpaced just the, the size of the Amazon platform in terms of like your FBA fees, your referral fees, kind of that physical inventory business. Is that right? Amazon. I don't know about that because I'm so tunnel vision on the ads, but they're very bullish on this department as a company. It's very high margin revenue for Amazon and they don't have any financial incentive to stop building this department. (laughs) Very much the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. So it's very, so, so with, I I think they, they just want to keep up with growth and they're going to launch new ad units. With that said, Ken, like to, to your point, what's actually working, just what we found. And again, this may, evolve over time. But just what we found is still the fairly basic ad units are still quite effective, by which I mean sponsored products. So for those folks, just that's if you type in a keyword on Amazon, the product appears in search results, that's sponsored products. And also sponsored brands is like, you know, you know, call it the, those banner ads and sponsor brand video. Now, between those two ad units, despite all the other new rollouts, those haven't really caught fire yet in terms of what's effective and what's working and what's bringing in revenue and profit. And I can talk about what types of sponsor products and sponsor brands, but yes, suffice to say, you'll get say 80% of the benefit of the ad platform by using sponsor products and sponsor brands correctly. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Now, as Ken mentioned, we've got Q4 right around the corner. And for e-commerce sellers, this is our Super Bowl, right? We've got you know, between Black Friday and Christmas, this is when a lot of companies are turning a profit, are having their highest level of sales. And and we've got one shot, right? We've got Q4 is, is going to, you know, pass by in a blink of an eye. And so we want to play our cards, right? As do our listeners this upcoming Q4. And so curious, are there any strategies that change as you enter Q4. And and that could be in terms of increasing or decreasing budgets. That could be focusing on certain ad types. And then also, I'd 
be curious on when do you taper? When does holiday shopping stop and you, you need to taper that spend? So what are your thoughts here? So there's a saying, which is something like sweat in battle. So you don't or sweat in practice. So you don't bleed in battle, something like that. The gist of it is, you know, get your, all of your preparation in. And if you haven't prepared leading up to the big event, like it's not going to go well just by virtue of not having prepared earlier. So at the time that we're releasing this November ish, there's still ample time to prepare for December. And I can get like to get specific on what it means to prepare for ads in December. Basically, you want a ton of data. You want a significant data set. If I run an ad for this term, I can reliably put in a dollar in ad spend and get $4, $5 back. And I know that for a fact in, in the sort of off season or like the season leading up to it. So in November, I know that. So that should be the case in December. The, the only kind of issue that I, that I see with folks is maybe if they didn't run a lot of exploratory or data gathering ads in October and November, then they're less served in December by the time that rolls around. Because December is not the time for exploration and data mining. Like you really want to have a set of terms that you know you can reliably spend behind and that you can scale pretty nicely. And that's sort of where the benefit comes in. So although December is the shiny object, a lot of the prep is done in right now as, as we're releasing this. Okay. A follow-up question to that would be, so for our listeners that have been running ads all year, if you were to get into their account, you'd probably download some reports what would you be looking for in terms of like identifying those winners, those, that money machine where you put a dollar in and you get five back? Yeah, for sure. So if you're, if you're in the account right now and you can just follow along, Seller Central, follow <laughs> along. If you're, if you're in Seller Central, just head to the advertising console. You'll see the graph of the sales and the spend and stuff like that. Go to the left, head to the reports, download a search term report for sponsored products for the most part, like unless you're running a lot of elaborate sponsored brands. Those are two separate reports. So you'll download the data for sponsored products and sponsored brands separately. But grab the sponsored product ones, go as far back as you can. Doesn't let you go back that far. So you'll want to download this regularly as, just as a matter of hygiene. But you'll take as much data as you can, probably 60 days. You'll download it to your PC and just sort, sort by seven-day total sales. So that'll give you all the terms that, that you know, in descending order of how much, they, how much revenue they got for you on the ads console for the last, say, 60 days. And that is really instructive. Like it looks like a lot. The platform looks complicated. It's getting increasingly complicated, but these are the basics. Like literally just download the report, filter by sales. You'll see all the stuff that did super well. Now, little caveat here, just because it got you a ton of sales doesn't mean that it performed in a profitable manner. So maybe you have some main keywords that have a lot of traffic, but for some reason you're just you're not converting at 10%, 20%, 30%. You're more converting at, you know two, three, 5%. And the ACOS, in other words, the, you know, the amount that you spent in, in proportion to the revenue you got back was not that favorable. So with that stuff, you might want to dial it down. You might want to bid down. And in extreme cases, you might want to negate it. But yeah, for the most part, it's really just about that search room report, download it. And again, so like the 80-20, sort of the 20% of actions that produce 80% of the results, run sponsored products and sponsored brands, download a search room report, filter through it, and just analyze, right? Like, so on the, on the upper sort of half of the search term iceberg, you'll see all the stuff that worked, but then on the bottom, you'll also see stuff that, di that did not work at all in the period, but yet it's spent money and that's your money leaving your pocket. So what I would say is just 
you can find the stuff that works and accentuate it. But the other half of the search term report, the bottom 50% are like all those terms that spent cash, but didn't generate any revenue. And with those, you at least bid down, if not totally negate, right? There becomes a point where it's just insanity, where like, you're like, I got 50 clicks for this thing and I didn't convert anybody. Like it must be my product in relation to this keyword. So at a certain point, it's just statistically unlikely that you'll get sales for those terms anymore. So it's fairly safe to shut it off. And, and, and that's how to look at those, those spreadsheets, right? It's a, it's a big mean spreadsheet. It looks super complicated, but literally just sort by seven day total sales, take it down and, and sort of cut it up into the stuff that worked, the stuff that didn't. Sorry to interrupt the episode. You may have heard Ken and I talking recently about a new tool that we're using for Amazon refunds. Now I have used other refund tools like this. However, I can tell you in the first seven days, they scrubbed the back end of my Amazon account going back 18 months and found $5,000 of refunds. And the nice thing about this is it's my money. Amazon made a mistake and they are just auditing my account. The other thing I really like about this tool is there is no monthly fee. They only charge a commission if they are successful in getting you your money. Go to getida.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM for firing the man, FTM400. This is an awesome tool. Can't say enough good things about it. Now, back to the episode. That's that's really cool. I like how, you know, basically going back to the foundation, fundamentals is what, is what it always comes back to. And nothing fancy. There's always going to be, you know, fancy new ad types. Like you said, Pat, you know, Amazon, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but I do know that advertising is second. I think, I believe it's the second most profitable division they have in Amazon next to the cloud. And so it's, and yeah, it's obviously probably a lot easier to run their advertising than it is to run the cloud. And so easier, you know, more profitable and easier, they're going to scale it. And so they're always going to be throwing new ad types. Oh, there's this new fancy ad type, or there's this here test them, test them. But like when it, when it, the rubber meets the road, like what David said, we have our Super Bowl coming up in the next six weeks, get, you know, go back to basics, find out what's working, double down on that and just come with a really strong game. A hundred percent. Like that's them testing. Like that's them. Something will catch. It might be sponsored display. It might be Amazon posts. It might be Amazon attribution, but at the sort of at the long tail side of things, those are all relatively new experiments. But we're here to help folks make money. So you can't rely, you can't hinge on those experiments in order to make money. You can test them, absolutely. But at the same time, like the bulk of the, like that's why it's a little bit like I didn't want to come on and talk about fancy ad groups and stuff like that because that stuff doesn't, you know, in large part, that's not what's going to pay the mortgage, right? Like you, got, you go back to it yeah. and look at the reports and mostly run sponsor products and, and sponsor brands too has become a significant part of new revenue. But uh, even if I had to reduce it further, it's just sponsored products, mainly auto campaigns that like, I'll tell you something else. Like this is just a weird thing that we've noticed. I wish this wasn't true, but this just happens to be true based on the data that we have. <laughs> like like autumn Amazon's advertising algorithm for whatever reason, they love auto campaigns that have a ton of products put into it. We call them catch-alls. And you can, it's not like you have to break the bank here. You can do like really low bids, like lower than suggested bids with a bunch of products in it inside of an auto campaign. And Amazon just really likes, this just really likes that for whatever reason. I wish it didn't, but it does. So that is something that you can take care of. You can basket your products a little bit. Like say you have like 
a bunch of tennis stuff and then a bunch of rock climbing stuff and like like you can catch catch all like that but like you should put a good number of child skews into each one and because uh, we've tried both like we've tried like because for the advertiser if, if you're advertising like you you wish that you could have a campaign with a hyper-targeted product and a hyper-targeted set of keywords and you can do that and it's sort of like the sharp tip of a pencil but just again if we're just talking revenue and profit amazon seems to love these catch-all campaigns maybe it's because it's a more of a blank check license to spend maybe it's because of some other algorithmic sort of nuance that nobody knows but like it, that's really sort of actionable thing that that you could do in advance of q4 to to ramp sales up yeah that's that's really cool and yeah i wonder if it's just you're at like a blank check like we're kind of like dumping everything in a bucket and saying here you go amazon go sell this stuff and I guess as long as, you know, like, you know, you can really refine auto campaigns more nowadays than you could be, you know, a few, several years ago. And so, yeah, I mean, that's cool though, to, to hear that, you know, you, you have a lot of visibility into hundreds of accounts and that this is a strategy that's working well. That's interesting. So listeners take note of that. And again, I wish it wasn't true, but it's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a basketball player who he like, he did free throws with the granny throw, like the, yeah. with the arm throw. And they were like criticizing him for it. It's like, why are you doing that? That's dumb. It looks stupid. It might look stupid in the same way that I'm saying like, hey, launch auto campaigns with a bunch of products in it. And you're like, that's literally the underhand throw, right? It's, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Again, I wish it didn't work, but it does. So. Yeah. No, I've heard about that guy and I, I saw some clips on him. I can't remember what his, what his percentage was, but it was really high. It's high. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his yeah. percentage of making notes was really high, no matter how, like what you thought of it, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you, you had mentioned Pat, like in the business of, of making people money. And so yeah. on that note, there's a little bit more of a, an advanced question, like, or just would really like to hear your thoughts on that and, and strategy every year, David and I, so David is uh, pretty amazing at finding trends analysis on in spreadsheets right and so like hey check a look at this and so we've noticed obviously over the last several years that like around christmas day you know sales and and everything tanks right and so and we've noticed that it's between five and seven days and so what is your take in terms of like making money do you recommend people kind of just shutting all of your ads down and just because you're not, they're not, they're not going to be profitable. Like, what, what is your advice there? Okay, okay, yeah, it's, it's, okay, I, yeah, I love the question. You asked something similar to this before, actually, and I think I, I, we never got to it. But like the, so every, it, it has a rhythm, and it's the same rhythm every year. So like, I'm always shocked by the lack of sort of shopping activity through October and November, and it's always slower than you think. You're like, why isn't it here? Like, why isn't it here yet? So you go through that like kind of <laughs> sort of sad sort of trudge along phase. And then at some point in, and again, later in December than I think usually, because people, there's so many last minute shoppers and so much last minute shopping activity going on that somewhere like the last couple of weeks of November look pretty similar to the first few weeks of December, like November 15th to 30th looks pretty similar to December 1st to 15th. But then at some point in mid-December, the, the the fire hydrant just gets uncorked and the thing starts, it starts ramping, right? So you're like, oh my goodness, like this is pretty wild. And it goes, you know, Amazon would, would like to push it later and later each year, right? Their fulfillment networks are getting stronger and stronger. So the date at which the fire hydrant shuts off is getting later and later every year, I've noticed, if not, even by like 12 hours a year. So like 
Amazon will want to go until the until the bell sounds, until the very last package that could make it in order, like to be under the tree. Like so, that's like December twenty second, twenty third. They're still sliding some things under the door, and then yes, to your point, there's there's a there's a silence between you know Christmas and New Year's, and then as a bonus, if you're in supplements or uh, fitness, that you'll see a January a spike because of all the New Year's resolutions. But like, if you're not in those areas, then you know it's going to be pretty quiet. But like, yeah, so so spike in December until the last allowable moment where shipping and logistics allows it. And then, um, yeah, so in terms of what how to adjust budgets to align with this stuff, it's kind of like you're going to you're going to go on a gentle ramp of budget increases. Like the most important thing is as long as the spend is profitable. Again, I will emphasize that as long as it's profitable spend and it makes sense. We never want to go budget effectively. Amazon's budgets reset most of the time in PST. So that because they're in Seattle HQ. So you'll want to stay up or have someone on the team stay up until, you know, midnight Pacific time to make sure that none of the budgets run out. If they do, you should decrease them again, as long as the spend is profitable. And then, so you're going to do that all the way up. And, and then there's very sensitive like days in December in the twenties of December 20th to 25th. And then what, what you're going to want to do is probably not not shut off because you don't want to lose any ranking or what have you. But you you really want to tank a lot of the budgets down because you would have ramped them up a lot to accommodate a lot of the holiday spending. And then you're going to want to cap them quite significantly in the days following December, you know, whatever, 23rd, 24th through. There's a little spike of sort of like, oh, shoot, I did. I didn't get her what she wanted. So I'm going to I'll buy this. But that's that's not a significant. It's very real, but it's not a significant spike. But there was there are some do overs and some makeup gifts that I saw last year, too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> ketchup gifts. Someone you forgot or yeah, something like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The ketchup, the weird uncle that you don't see stuff like that. Like, you know, yeah. Awesome. No offense okay. I'm, yeah. sure he's, I'm sure he's cool. But. <laughs> right. No, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So essentially, whatever kind of budgets, let's say like early December or maybe even mid-November, kind of what you, whatever you were normally running at, you want to kind of ramp back down to in that like December 24th, 25th range and just keep an eye on that. You do. And and well through to January because Amazon will spend the budget if you make it available, but it the spend will not be as efficient because there's more window shopping at that time, less buying intent. So you'll still blow through the budget, but the ACOS will be really bad. So you, you don't want really that to happen. And oh, and a tip on the holiday bidding stuff. Everyone and their mom who sells on Amazon. My mom doesn't sell on Amazon, but that'd be really cool. But every, everybody selling on Amazon is going to bid on like holiday gifts, you know, Christmas shop, you know, gifts, whatever. Just I wouldn't necessarily do those if your product doesn't have crazy mass appeal. I would just slice one layer below that and go like, you know, holiday gifts for dad or for, you know, for sister, for brother, the members, of the family, hobbyists, like, you know, presents for rock climbers, whatever it is. So you can still get that tailwind of those gift traffic search volume, but you don't get bonked on the head with just like the crazy competitive bidding of just holiday gifts, broadly speaking. You, so that's an interesting like in-between maneuver where you can get the holiday traffic without paying holiday premiums. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. Now, let's say like you launch a new product. Is there a, you know, does your team like have a, because those, those keywords are probably going to be like very targeted for like a two to four week span. So yeah. you use tools to go back and look at previous year search terms or how, how would you flush those out ahead of time? In the context of like a product launches specifically? Or let's, yeah, let's just say, uh, you know, tennis racket. We launched a tennis racket, you know, in March of this year. 
we've never been through a, you know, the holiday season. And so how would we tar- how would we get those keywords ahead of time? Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, and, and this goes for launches, but this also goes for just products in general. You probably want to avoid overwhelm and overspending. You probably want a core of like 10 to 15 keywords that is like the target basket. And there probably aren't the largest keywords in your niche. They're probably, again, maybe a step down from that, a bit more long tail, 10 to 15, and effectively just go after those. I would pretty much put the blinders on and, and bid up on those, track your ranking for those terms specifically, have those rankings in the listing as well. And if you can, as a bonus, like we, do, we don't do this yet, but I'm considering it probably driving some external traffic to, to Amazon for those terms is going to be an interesting part of launch strategies going forward. I think Amazon's going to like some external traffic coming in. Okay. Awesome. David, over to you. Yeah. So as a business owner, Ken and I often talk about dollars as little soldiers. And and we ask the question, where do we put these little soldiers to where they can go out and, and come back with more soldiers? And so as it relates to putting our dollars to work, we have a lot of options. Probably have two more options than we have dollars. And so you have to make a decision. Do I spend on PPC? Do I spend on a new product launch? Do I spend on social media? And the list kind of goes on and on and on. And so curious what your thoughts are on coming up with an appropriate amount of spend for PPC. Yeah. And, and we may look at like a particular, like a tacos or any rules of thumb you have would be helpful, I think, to us and the audience. I think the punchline to this is just like the better the product is, like just for the end customer, the easier everything else is going to be. Like, although we are, we are like a marketing company, that's our specialty. We can't fix bad products or even we can't fix mediocre products. And nor why would you want to? Like, that's not a good thing to do to people. Like just put massive ad dollars behind this like average product <laughs> that nobody, like it just gets pushed to them. Like, so when it comes to ACOS, TACOS, conversion rate, all this stuff is actually like, these are downstream symptoms of sometimes not just the product's not good enough. Like, and, and that is, it's hard to fix. That's why people don't fix it. But like, that is, that's really the choke point for a lot of these performance issues. And then, okay, so maybe you have a great product and then maybe you have an issue with the listing, like the way you're presenting it, you're like, you're not explaining it properly. And then maybe there's a marketing issue, but like the number one thing would just be to, you know, just to diagnose a, an upstream product quality thing. And to this end, like voice of the customer is really good. So again, in Seller Central, if you go to performance and under that, you can see what, you can actually see what people are saying on a SKU level and see like what their complaints are and what they really like about it. And just like constantly being product engineering. So like to, to your point, David, like I would put as much money as you can in, into actual product development. And this is coming from a marketing company. <laughs> like that's just <laughs> like, I, I don't, everything gets easier. If you, even if you're thinking about it purely numerically, like the better product you have, the higher the, the click-through rate is like the better the reviews. So you get more clicks, like the better it converts, the better reviews. So like the flywheel spins that way, the fewer returns. So your seller account is in less danger. Like, and then, and then, yeah, so everything just kind of stems from the product quality. And I think people forget this, that it's all about tactics when in fact, when in fact, it, a lot of the tactics kind of take care of themselves if the, the quality is good. But if we say, I say you do have a good product, right? And you want to talk about ACOS and TACOS and stuff like that. Like it's very, David says this all the time, and he, he said it on, on the show that we did together as well, fail on paper. Like that is like, no truer words because some products are never going to make sense. 
if, if folks wanted to, they could Google the Amazon FBA revenue calculator, and that'll give you projections of what Amazon's going to charge you in fees. You can put in your cost of goods and it'll give you a projected profit. And then on top of that, I would encourage folks to layer on their ad spend. So to give you a sense, decent ad spend when a product's up and, up and rolling should be 20 to 30% of the MSRP, something like that. But also you should, you should factor in that when you first launch a product, it's got no reviews and you might want to get more aggressive on keyword ranking, those 10 to 15 keywords, maybe your, your ACOS, like your spend divided by your sales, it's probably going to be closer to 50, 60%. It depends how aggressive you want to get, but you know, new launches are going to, you know, those ad sales are going to lose money initially to some extent. So yeah, but budget to, you know, 20 to 30% of your MSRP for ads in a mature product, but more than that at the beginning, I would say like 50 to 60%. Thank you everyone for tuning in to part one of our podcast with Pat Lum. Please join in next week for part two, where we dive into PPC profitability and strategies that are working in 2022. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's Firing the Man podcast. If you like this episode, head on over to firingtheman.com and check out our resource library for exclusive Firing the Man discounts on popular e-commerce subscription services. That is firingtheman.com backslash resource. You can also find a comprehensive library of over 50 books that Ken and I have read in the last few years that have made a meaningful impact on our business. For that, head on over to www.firingtheman.com slash library. Lastly, check us out on social media at Firing the Man and on YouTube at Firing the Man for exclusive content. This is David Schomer and Ken Wilson. We're out. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A.com and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?